Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. <laughs> We're uh, continuing on in 2 Timothy, if you have your Bibles. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. All right, 2 Timothy, chapter 1. And we're looking at verses 8 through 12, and the title is Not Ashamed, Not Ashamed. I'm going to give you the points up front, and then we're going to talk about them as we go verse by verse. But the points are, don't be ashamed, number one. Number two, God's plan of salvation. And number three, confident in Christ. Not ashamed, plan of salvation, confident in Christ. And you see why I go slowly verse by verse through the Bible? Because... There's so much in this God-given book. I mean, there's so much. We're only going through five, five verses today because the verses are so dense and so weighty. This is the meat of the word, and this is why we go verse by verse through the scriptures. The milk of the words on the surface, which is important, it's a profound initial truth, but the meat of the word is when we dig even deeper within it. Uh, did you guys eat a lot from Memorial Day? Anyone eat a lot? No one? Yeah, we, okay, a couple people. I think a, mo- a lot of us did. Now, Memorial Day was all about remembering the sacrifices made of those who served so we could be set free. That's a somber thing. And we're thankful for their sacrifice. And Memorial Day has come to involve just a lot of food and, and eating as well. Like I, I ate two loaded hamburgers and a chili dog right after at Memorial Day. I'm pretty sure I repented of gluttony. It was bad. I was hurting. My stomach was, it was bad. But it was a good time. I paid the price later. Um, but I was so full. You ever been so full that you have to stand up? Like maybe Thanksgiving or, you know, just, you can't even sit down anymore. Like you just can't. You try to sit. You even have your stretchy pants on and you're like, I, I thought I could. I need to walk around a little bit. Can we go on a walk around the block? Like you're stuffed, right? Well, as we feed off of the word of God, we get so full. And in a sense, if you don't stand up and share the meat of what you learned, we're going to stay uncomfortable. Like we're not meant to be fat, happy sheep, right? We are meant to be lean, healthy sheep. And what does that mean? Well, we are meant to take in and to give out, right? Have you ever seen or been to eating contests? Maybe some of you have even been in an eating contest. I don't know. Eating contests are pretty crazy. I see. I just seen them on TV. Well, in those contests, obviously they overeat, and the small intestine recognizes when it doesn't need nutrients. And so in eating contests, most food is not actually absorbed. But it is not recommended to speed eat like that because if the stomach stretches too much, it can actually tear. It can make, it, it just, it kind of makes me think of God's word. It's like we can take in so much truth without giving out that it becomes unhealthy. Now, in one real sense, we should always want more of God's word, of course, right? But we are not meant just to take in, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry to go here, but the fact is that sometimes we get spiritually constipated. I'm sorry to say it, but sometimes, I mean, it's true. We take all the truth in, you know, more and more commentaries, Bibles. We get, we get inundated with whatever sermons we want, whatever flavor we want, right? We become just, we take in, but we don't give out. It's unhealthy. We're called to be conductors, not insulators. Conductors have a continuous path of conductive material providing a conduit for electrons to pass through. Insulators do not let electricity pass through. So be a conductor. Let God's word pass through you to others, you know, and that's, that's one of the main reasons we get into the scriptures and get an understanding. Yes, so we can grow, but so we can also relay what we know, what God has told us. And so don't be an insulator, you know, where you take in the truth and it just stops with you because there's a bunch of lost people outside of these walls. 
And we're the ones that get to actually share the truth that can set them free. Like, we get that privilege. In other words, like, don't be a wall, be a road. You know, let it flow through you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And this is really the message that Paul relates to Timothy that we're going to look at this morning. Ashamed means the feeling of guilt, disgrace, or foolishness. You ever feel foolish or guilty? Like sometimes we feel ashamed to share the truth, but why? And maybe you're one of those who feels confident to share the truth all the time. You just can't help yourself, you know, and you you don't feel uncomfortable at all. But most believers do have some trepidation when sharing the gospel. I'll never forget the first time I went out on the street, street witnessing with a group of believers to share the truth. And street evangelism, right? And the youth pastor at the time, before, before I took over, his name was Kevin. And he was older, and, and he was just bold. He was so bold. I mean, just in life, all the time, Kevin and his wife were just bold and sharing the gospel wherever they were, wherever they were. His wife was actually a lawyer for the uh, police department, but they were, they were on-fire believers, and he would share just everywhere all the time. You couldn't stop him. That's just like what he did. It was so inspiring. It helped me to see that, hey, there's no reason to fear. But one of the first times we went out to share, I saw him share the gospel in love to a teenager who was sitting on this bench, right, at the movie theater, outside of the movie theater, with his girlfriend on the Third Street uh, Promenade in Santa Monica. And this really made an impression on me because I saw the difference between the world and the eternal, like right before my eyes. I remember I was a newer believer. I was like, whoa, it was intense. And I watched Kevin, and he was kneeling down, and he was sharing the truth in love to this teenager. And he had such love and, and grace, you know. And this teenager, this kid, he just yelled, and he cussed, and he had such hateful words. He was miserable. His attitude was horrible. But Kevin, he didn't go, his, his attitude's horrible, I'm going to walk away. He didn't get angry in return. He didn't yell back. They didn't have a yelling match. Kevin still shared the truth in love and asked the kid to consider the truth of God's word. I still like, remember the vivid picture in my mind of him kneeling down, talked, pleading, considering, consider the truth to this kid who was just yelling and he was just sharing in love. And I was like, wow. Kevin met the teenager on his level, but he didn't sink down to the kid's level in attitude, you know? Like, he remained loving the whole time. He never lost his cool. And I'll never forget Kevin's actions that day. He really ministered to me in the fact of we were called to share the truth even if it's not received, even if all is received is hate. Kevin wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Not being ashamed is a key idea in this chapter. And Paul was not ashamed. Paul admonished him and said, hey, don't be ashamed. He, re- he reported that Onesiphorus was not to be ashamed of Paul's chains. So let's pray, and then we'll talk about these scriptures this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time in your word. We pray that you would just lead us, speak to us through your scripture, that rhema word, that personal word to us individually, and also to your church, Lord. We just pray that you'd meet us in our life circumstances. And again, we thank you for your um, God-breathed, just inspired word that is so profitable in so many ways, and so we just pray that you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read verses 8 to 12, and then we'll go back and look at it. Verse 8, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, therefore, he says, therefore again, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Remember, Paul was in prison right now, like a dungeon, basically. 
nor me of his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immorality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So the first point, do not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. To, be, to not be ashamed, we need to use the power, the love, and the sound mind that Paul had just written about. Remember in the prior verses? Here's the word therefore again, and let's get corny. Let's get corny as a church. Okay, we're going to get torn. When you see therefore, you ask yourself, what is it? <laughs> yeah, what is it there for? What are you here for? Well, Paul just told Timothy about power, love, and sound mind. So courage is, is freely given and imparted to every single follower of Jesus. We are to be bold for the Lord with his power and strength. Now, now here he told Timothy just how to let God, or just, he told Timothy just how to let what God gave him guide his thinking. He says, do not be ashamed for the testimony of our Lord. So when Timothy received, you know, the courage from the Lord, he would not be ashamed. Remember, it's, it's not easy to follow a Savior who was recently crucified. Think about it. At this point, it was still the first century, and all these things were new. Back in that day, it was dangerous to follow Jesus. It was actually dangerous. It was not a play-it-safe kind of faith. I have my Bible. I can read it on the couch at Starbucks, wherever. It's no big deal. Let's talk about church all day. We are not going to get in trouble. But back in this day, it was actually dangerous to believe in and talk about Jesus. Paul wasn't dumb. He knew that the plan of God in Christ seemed foolish to many. But here's the thing. Here's something else Paul knew and imparted to Timothy. He knew that the living power of God is what saved souls and transformed hearts. And it's kind of like, do you know that today? Do you know that and believe that? Do you know that, believe that, and share that? Paul knew that the living power of God is what saved souls and transformed hearts. Paul was definitely not ashamed of this fact, and he was exhorting Timothy not to be ashamed either. Timid Timothy, he needed to, to walk in confidence in Christ and share the gospel with boldness. And I love Romans 1.16 goes right along with this, right? Romans 1.16 has become one of the most popular Bible verses of all time. And it's good. It's a good verse to be popular. Romans 1.16, Paul writes this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So why would we be ashamed of the very message that we heard and that saved our souls? Well, it goes back to what Paul had already written in verse 7. Fear. Fear is powerful. It's powerful, but it's weak compared to faith. Right? With the Lord, we don't walk in fear. We walk in faith that is courageous and fearless. People who swim with sharks without a cage, you've seen that? Like, it's very common today now, watching. I'd see, they're either crazy or courageous. I don't know. I don't know, maybe a bit of both. Has anyone swam with sharks? Like, okay. okay, a few people. Did you have, were you in a cage or just... No, you weren't in a cage? Wow, that's awesome. I, I, you're courageous. Just what? Nurse sharks. Oh, okay, nurse sharks. 
Ah, okay, nice. It depends on the kind of shark, yeah. But, but I look at, at those men and women who swim with sharks, and I go, I would never do that. Maybe with nurse sharks, but, but I would never do that with killers, you know. But I look at them swim, and I think, they're courageous in doing that. Man, I think people looked at Paul and his courage, courageous boldness and thought, he is bold in sharing the truth. So bold that he's in prison, he's about to die for his faith, and he's okay with it. He's actually encouraging in the midst of it because he knows where he's going. Paul was relaying to Timothy to not be ashamed of the gospel. He says, nor of me, his prisoner. Notice something here. Paul never claimed to be a prisoner of Rome. He saw himself as a prisoner of God. Now, this wasn't a bad thing, right? Because anytime we hear the word prisoner, we think that's not good, you know? But being a prisoner means being held captive. And when a person lets the Lord lead them, they are delighted to be a prisoner of his. See, Paul saw God as the Lord in every circumstance, as being in control in every circumstance. Is he Lord of all in your life? Being a prisoner of the Lord means we are captivated by our God who is perfect and knows perfectly what we need. So if Paul was free, he was the Lord's. If Paul was in prison, he was the Lord's. Paul writes, but share with me in the sufferings. Now this blew me away. Like I read this last week. I was studying this last week. I was just blown away by these words. I was legit astounded. I was like, I was like what? <laughs> and like I knew the verses, right? But you know, sometimes scripture hits you differently. And it's like, whew, that's illuminated right now in my heart and my mind. Like Paul is essentially inviting Timothy to not be ashamed, but also to share in the sufferings. Wow, that sounds fun, right? Let's suffer together. Yeah. No, we don't really celebrate that. Well, the idea, though, is pretty clear when we look at Romans 12, 15, which says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In other words, we are connected through prayer to the suffering of fellow believers throughout the world. Suffering isn't fun, but as Christians, we don't get in trouble for doing wrong. The thing is, and catch this, like we get in trouble for doing what is right. Doing right meaning adhering to the truth of God over the culture around us. Right? We get in trouble sometimes because the culture is often contrary to the truth. If the culture contradicts the truth, guess what? We disregard the culture. Paul demonstrated this his whole ministry. He wasn't supposed to share. He shared anyway. I think about the, the, the edict in Daniel's day, you remember? He was not to pray. No one was to pray publicly. So three times a day he prayed where everyone could see him. Was he being a bad example because he didn't follow rules? No. He was dedicated to his God and wasn't going to let anyone tell him not to seek the Lord. I love that. This is occurring right now in many other countries. Christians are defying what the government is saying because they're telling Christians not to be Christians. Renounce that faith. How horrible is that? But there are some who are bold and living out their faith despite the consequences. Love that. Paul writes, according to the power of God. Now, here's the eye-opening truth. The power of God will always exist because God will always exist. He's always been. He always will be. But God's power isn't there, isn't just there to remove difficulties. You know that? It's not just there to remove difficulties. But I thought we were supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Like Daniel in the lion's den? Like Jesus on the cross? Like Paul in prison? What a horrible teaching the prosperity gospel is, but that's a different story. But God's power, it isn't always there to remove difficulties. 
Sometimes God's power is there to see us through the difficulties that we're in. Right? This is something that mature believers will understand and trust in. It's like some of my missionary friends are in other countries and they're in danger all the time. They get persecuted all the time because they have no faith. No, because they have a lot of faith. And that's why people are coming against them. That's why they have to hide when they do Bible studies. God gives us power to get through those difficulties. God may not take my trial away today, but he will give me the strength and boldness by his power to get through it and to learn from it and to be teachable through it. You're not refined if you don't have difficulties. And difficulties aren't because you have no faith. Difficulties are because we're in a fallen world and people hate Jesus and Christianity and don't want anything to do with the Bible or the church. And so there's a lot that comes against us. But what, what about God's plan of salvation? Well, in verse 9 and 10, here's what not to be ashamed of. Paul writes, who has saved us and called us. We did not find God, he found us, and we simply responded to his call. It's like when someone calls you and you don't respond. I'm sure you never do that, right? You're like, oh gosh, I don't want to talk for five hours. No, I'm sure you never do that, right? You answer every time. But um, it's like when you call, you intentionally like, ignore it. Well, God calls people to follow him and we respond by answering that call. Unfortunately, some people see God calling and go, silent, maybe later, you know? Uh, they put on silent. They even block it, you know? You've maybe seen that, that picture on social media. It's of a smartphone that says, God's calling you, accept or decline. If you don't accept, you're, you know, then there's consequences. But, but it's true that God calls people to serve him. You either move forward in that calling or you suppress it or you put it on silent. Paul writes, according to our words, but according to or not according to our words, but according to his own purpose. So this clearly explains why God calls us. He calls us because we are so amazing. No, no. He calls us because we earned it through hard work and merit. I deserve it. No, you don't. I don't. It was not anything that we were or that we did. It was because he wanted to, and it fit into his will and his purpose. God's election. That's, that's the Lord. God wants you in the midst of his mission. The fact that he wants to use us in this life is pretty amazing and pretty astounding. God wants to use imperfect people in order to accomplish his perfect will. Wow. One pastor said this. He said, when we grasp that we are unworthy sinners saved by an infinitely costly grace, it destroys both our self-righteousness and our need to ridicule others. So true. We are not worthy but God's mercy and grace makes it possible to be used by him, and he equips us with power and love and a sound mind in order to accomplish his, his will. So what an amazing God. Paul writes, grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Time is something that God, uh, that exists in order, God created to give order to our existence. Like time isn't essential to God's existence because he existed before time was created, and will remain when time ends, and we will live on in eternity with him. But he continues, and he says, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus showed humanity what God was all about and his eternal plan. And all of this should contribute to annihilating shame. We shouldn't be ashamed. God has a plan, and he sees the whole plan, and you and I are actually included in that plan. 
We are the ones to share the message that God has given to humanity. And, and look what else Paul says. He says, who, apo- who abolished death? Talk about good news. The crucifixion and resurrection of Christ conquered death. Death is dead. You don't need to fear death if you are a believer. This is why the Bible says you're saved. Saved from what? Death, darkness, destruction. Death in the Christian realm is actually called sleep, biblically. Why? Because it's pleasant. It's peaceful. Death doesn't deprive anything from the believer. Rather, death graduates the believer to glory. One old preacher said, Christians should not have RIP on their tombstone, which means rest in peace. Instead, we should have CAD, which means Christ abolished dead, or death, (laughs) Christ abolished death, because we don't die, we just move, like we we talked about that a couple weeks ago, we just change address, graduate from camping to our real home, that's being built for us, we get to worship the Lord, sorrow is no more, tears are no more, death has dissolved because of the resurrection of Christ, and that is good news, and Paul continues, and brought life and immorality, or immortality, sorry, to light through the gospel, so the afterlife wasn't fully clear just from the Old Testament, but Jesus made it clear in the New Testament about heaven and hell. And that's the thing. Jesus is the most reliable spokesman for heaven and hell because he spoke about it the most. And it's kind of like people who disbelieve there is a hell are essentially calling Jesus a liar. And that's a huge problem. We believe everything he says about heaven, hell, and what our mission is on this earth. If, if we have a problem with believing in hell, then we have a problem with Jesus. Most people believe in heaven, less, a lot less statistically believe in hell, and it's sad. This is the whole truth, and people need to stop cutting out the truths that they dislike, right? Oh, hell seems so mean, I'm not going to believe in it. That's lame. <laughs> That's it's what Jesus talked about. I, we believe everything he said. We believe everything the word says. Paul writes, through the gospel. He says, through the gospel. So the good news of who Jesus is and what he did for us shows an amazing chain of God's work. So God's plan of salvation actually started before time began. It continued with the appearing of our Savior. It came to us when he saved us and called us. It continues as we live out our holy calling. It will show itself in immortality, eternal life. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing picture of the gospel right here in these verses. The message of the gospel was worth prison to the Apostle Paul in that dungeon. And then the third point, confident in Christ, verse 11 and 12. So Paul's calling actually gave him courage, to which I was appointed a preacher, he says. Paul understood something that was a mark of maturity. He understood that it was a privilege to suffer for the gospel. That's hard for us to comprehend, especially because we want to be so comfortable in America. How can I be the most comfortable? That's what I deserve. You know, Paul, was, he was honored in suffering, and he wasn't ashamed. And it didn't change his attitude. He's like, I'm in here to write this letter to, to Timothy, so Timothy can be strengthened in the Lord and share with the church and be bold and go out and make a difference in that carnal community. But he said, Paul writes, for this reason I suffer these things. Speaking truth had consequences in that culture. Paul's suffering at this point would lead to his heavenly appointment. And Paul wasn't sad about that. He was looking forward to it. Paul could have been a spiritual, excuse my language, Paul could have been a spiritual sissy and, and kept 
His mouth shut. I'm so scared. I'm just too scared. I don't want to tell anyone. But he didn't. He was bold. He was bold, and that's why he was in prison. He was encouraging Timothy, hey, share. Share in the suffering. Be bold. Who cares? The consequence. If God calls you to do it, share it. He says, for I know whom, and this is a key, whom I believed and am persuaded. This is why Paul was so bold. He knew what he believed, yeah, and he was trying to relay his truth, this truth, to Timothy. Notice that Paul said, whom we believe. Know what God has done, yes, but more importantly, know who God is. The object of my affection is the Lord, right? This will give every believer serious courage. It's not just enough to know information. I know the truth, sure. Yeah, but are you transformed? It's not about just information. It's information, knowledge, but then transformation, which is wisdom. And you can live it out. And this really outlines Paul's second reason for his boldness. Paul gave Jesus his life, and he knew Jesus was fully able to keep it. Like Paul lived a surrendered life, and he wanted Timothy to live the same way, to give, you know, to give all to God because God has given all for him. And Paul finishes up in this section, he says, until that day. So Paul had in mind either the day he would see Jesus or the day Jesus came for Paul. Now, Paul and Timothy both live with an awareness of that day. That day he'd meet Jesus was precious to Paul because he gave everything for Jesus. Paul gave everything. He committed his life to him. What an exhortation for us. Don't be ashamed for the message that saved your soul. Proclaim it with God's strength and let fear fall by the wayside and walk away from it. Death is defeated and we are delivered. And that is an amazing truth that should give us boldness, power, a sound mind, to be somber and serious about the things of God as we go out and live a surrendered and sanctified life, sharing the truth with those who God gives us opportunity to share with. It's amazing that we get to do that, especially in this country, you guys. We are so blessed to freely be able to share with people. You know, They might not want to hear it, but we get to plant and water still. Right? And we get to share in love. Death is defeated and we are delivered. It's amazing truth, guys.